This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. Sai Prasad Vishwanathan is the first Indian with a disability to set foot on and live on the Antarctic continent. He is also the first Indian with a disability to skydive, which went down in the Limca Book of Records. Sai's accomplishments do not end there. He has won a host of awards, including the Helen Keller Role Model Person Award 2010, given by the Home Minister. You may also know him from his appearance on Satyamev Jayate with Amir Khan. However, despite diving from the sky and chatting with penguins on Antarctica, Sai struggles with infrastructural issues in his day-to-day life, and it is a core part of his disability rights advocacy. Sai was born with meningomyelocele which led to loss of sensation in the lower half of his body. He uses a wheelchair. Hi, I am Surya Tapa Mukherjee, your host for this episode of the Suno India show. This is part two of our mini series on disability and technology. I spoke to Sai Prasad Vishwanathan about how technology is helping make the world more accessible for people with disabilities, but also how it perpetuates their exclusion. Assistive technology can be any item, equipment or product system that helps people with disabilities. Assistive technologies can be high-tech and low-tech, from canes and lever doorknobs to voice recognition software and speech-generating devices. In this mini-series, I let our guests define what assistive tech means to them. So you'll have people talking about things from stim toys to larger infrastructural challenges like a lack of elevators. So, can you tell us a bit about like what does disability mean according to you? What is disability? So, there are two ways of looking at it, right? The first way of looking at it is what hits the eye to you. Uh, in other words, majority of the world when they see a person what is obvious to them uh, is what they perceive and very often when people see that someone cannot walk or cannot see or get to know that they cannot hear uh, that is a perception that sets in their mind and uh, you you can't really blame them for it but that is the dominant view of disability but what people forget is that while that is partly true the definition of what cannot be done uh, whether it be walking whether it be not being able to see whether it be not being able to hear or gather that information is also partly restricted by the kind of infrastructure that is put around them whether for cost purposes or whether for lack of common sense at the end of the day the infrastructure has been designed in such a way that quite a lot of people who are so called able are able to benefit from it uh, but there are a huge group of people who get left out uh, from such designs 
and what happens is the disability that you're seeing up front uh, that becomes even more obvious and even more difficult uh, for the other person for example uh, if a person cannot climb stairs because he or she cannot walk uh, then what happens is that when you put stairs up there the person is never going to go ahead and uh, get up onto those stairs now what happens is already you have a person perception that the person cannot walk on top of that you see that the person is not able to climb the stairs so you are reinforcing your own view and making making life all the more difficult so the standard definition of what i perceive uh, of the word disability could be first what meets the eye in terms of what a person cannot do but a more deeper understanding of that word could be the fact that uh, you are designing things around the person and making life all the more difficult and that is a forced disability onto the person so there is a natural disability out there already as compared with normal people and then there is a forced difficulty and what i believe is much more difficult to accept for a human being is the forced disability because you know you expect at the end of the day that life will be easier uh, given the disability that you already have or given who you are as a person uh, but if progressively life is made tough and people are not even aware that life is made tough for some people uh, then uh, that forced disability becomes even more challenging to live with you know i mean this is obviously like a very big question and it's you know probably about like your whole life but huh? can you give us an idea of like what has it meant for you like what has disability been for you how do you experience uh, disability uh there are three or four forms of it right first up i i could term disability as something where i would want to pursue something but i am prevented access to it uh this could start right from schools uh for example i want to get educated in a particular school but the classes are in the third or the fourth floor and you know i might not be able to get up to the stairs without the help of a support from someone then therein lies one challenge point one subsequent to that what happens is if i get an external help uh, then the financial aspects go up because now i would need that extra help so the cost of living as compared with any other normal person actually goes up uh, so that actually is an indirect tax on my disability so to say third aspect apart from the finances and the access part is the sheer emotional part where let us say when i am not given the access and i know that i do not have the financial means to gain that access then i am left alone and now i am wondering whether i am being punished for who i am and whether there are certain boundaries of my life which are going to be much smaller than the boundaries that other people operate on and that that is just going to pile on so the biggest disability you will see very often is not an individual aspect that meets the eye it is the cumulative effect of the fact that you were prevented access to education access to employment so to say access to a dignified life and prevention of that access uh, whether it be from the infrastructure design or stereotypical perspectives or the cost that is involved in breaking that barrier uh, will add to the emotional turmoil and eventually you are ending up in a scenario where uh, your your question of self worth uh, comes into uh, existence and as such human beings have a crisis about who they are but if you add off all these barriers on top of that then you are wondering you know what is the whole purpose of my life 
Sai says that the infrastructural issues that people like him face on a daily basis are usually a problem of cost and scale. So, uh, even before I answer that question on how technology benefits, uh, we need to understand uh, the nature of technology that is out there and uh, what is preventing its scaling and, you know, why are we getting restricted or benefited from it. Uh, so, for instance, let us take a fundamental technological element like an uh, elevator at a college. Uh, what happens is that even after 75 years of independence, there are many, many colleges out there uh, that still do not have a fundamental elevator uh, for students to get across floors. Now, even if the elevator is accessible and present, uh, what happens is that when it goes from floor to floor, it is not at the same level of the floor. Uh, therefore, there, it becomes a major challenge for a person to get out of the elevator and onto the floor. And uh, one of the major challenges when you have conversations with uh, people on why this problem exists, why is it not more accessible, is the element of cost. Uh, the And here is a chicken and egg problem on the cost itself. A lot of people tend to believe that there are not many people with disabilities out there uh, who for whom the change in infrastructure is worth the cost-benefit analysis. Uh, in other words, uh, if my college were to go ahead and say that, Sai, there are probably about three or four uh, people with disabilities at the institute. And uh, for those people, if I have to remodel the entire college and make it technologically accessible from an infrastructure standpoint, it's it's just not going to be high on the agenda. And that is where uh, transformational technologies are failing completely because uh, people just don't see the scale in it. If there was scale, this would have probably been the first thing that would have been uh, taken up. Uh, but what are, what people are missing again is that the scale is missing because of the lack of infrastructure access. In other words, like the chicken and egg problem, what is happening is not many people with disabilities are coming out in the open because the infrastructure is not accessible in the first place. Uh, but people tend to believe that because there are not many people, uh, there is no need to make it accessible. Uh, so I think if someone or if the right stakeholder can take the initiative and show that technological access can actually bring people out, then the scaling is allowed. Uh, so from the standpoint of scale and cost is where the major challenge lies uh, with respect to generating the uh, let's say the transformational technology in lives of people with disabilities. The solution is also emerging from the technology, but only challenge I feel is it is not being done at a pace that probably in my life I can enjoy the benefits about it. You know, like what, what are those benefits? Like I, I can feel that you can sort of see it in your mind's eye, you know, how things could look, uh, but you uh -huh. feel like it won't happen maybe in your lifetime. So how do you see uh, like where things can be, what your life could look like? The first and the foremost thing that technology can do, uh, in my view, is build accountability. In other words, someone's neck must be on the line if something is not accessible. Today in my life, I miss an aspect where if a particular building is not accessible or if a particular restaurant is not accessible or let us say I can't get into the airport or let's say in my society, there are a couple of roads that are not accessible. I do not know whom to reach out and you know who, whom should I pressurize to get that solution done. Uh, so effectively, the fundamental area where technology will play a role and 
without that i don't see any progress happening is an accountability factor needs to be built point 1 and i need to know who should be accountable for it and that information passed between the person who is suffering and the person who is solving needs to be very very fast in other words today we have urban club uh, so to say to go ahead and you know solve the miniature problems around you know any carpentry requirement plumbing requirement or electricity requirement that is there they put out time slots and i book and the work gets done within a matter of like 12 hours or 24 hours but sadly such things don't exist uh, when it comes down to infrastructure access i know building access will take time but i don't even know when the start is going to happen and when the end is going to happen and i don't know whom to reach out to so with all the power of information the tools that we actually have a built in accountability uh, would be great so would you like to come to how technology does help you especially like mm-hmm. the kind of i would say super mm-hmm. normal things that you've done right like going to antarctica or whatever uh, you can talk in those big ways also and also in like little everyday ways uh, how technology helps a simple part where technology makes a big difference is i can find out i can use google and know whether the restaurant i am visiting is accessible it's just the power of information i can know today in the city which restaurant is accessible and which is not saddens me that some restaurants are not accessible but hey, at least i got the information at the end of the day point one the same is also applicable to movie theaters uh, where i know that two or three theaters uh, two or three seats are allocated well in advance and tickets are sold accordingly so from the point of view of information uh, it is making a tremendous difference on me trying to make a decision on uh, should i venture out on uh, this life experience and so on and so forth that is at a fundamental level uh, at a macro level uh, obviously the airline industry obviously there are going to be exceptional cases or there are going to be difficulties uh, but it is doing its best at the end of the day to ensure that you know the transition between countries or between cities or between states is smoother and more independent for people with disabilities there is enough support system put in terms of technology as well as people uh, so that that independent tra- transport met- methodology is available i know very recently there was regulation that was passed for not discrimination in may this year indigo airline came under fire for not allowing a disabled teenager to board a flight with his parents because he had a meltdown Since then in July the Directorate General of Civil Aviation in India amended the rules that give Indian Airlines absolute power to deny boarding to disabled passengers. The new provisions explicitly state that a disability cannot be a ground for an airline to deny boarding to a passenger. for a long time in 2007 and 2008 i wouldn't even know uh, what are the facilities that are available for people with disabilities uh, from the point of view of infrastructure but a simple uh, video on youtube when youtube started to go crazy uh, in the 2007 2008 period and i started watching videos and people started uploading videos on infrastructure access i became aware of the fact that such facilities are not only available but it is also my right to ask institutions about those facilities and that is where the mindset started to change so one of the primary areas where technological aspect is making a major difference so to say and these are ones that are 
not involving heavy cost and is available for everyone is the power of information uh, whether it be forming communities on facebook instagram whatsapp telegram or whether it be informational videos that are available on youtube uh, whether it is getting people together for events the informational technology is transforming lives brilliantly by showing people out there that a solution is possible a solution is necessary and more importantly a solution must be demanded and what it is doing beautifully is that it is showing institutions corporates and even many many people that the scale is there there are enough number of people with disabilities out there in the country and the world for whose sake the other technologies infrastructure must need to be redesigned and most importantly because of technology what has happened is people have grown more aware uh, let us say on instagram or facebook i am able to go ahead and present a story of my life and people understand that there is so much more about my life for instance about 20 or 30 years back i wouldn't be part of a school team to go ahead and play sports but right now uh, because of the technology i know that there are so many other elements to my life i still don't play cricket uh, but there are so many other elements uh, to my life that i can showcase so there is a platform that is available whether it be writing whether it be photography whether it be uh, let's say sharing my hobbies out on platform and finding like minded people so it's not just about groups of people who are disabled who come together and you know share their life concerns it's also about me showing out to the world that there is so much about me as a person uh, beyond my disability and therefore i'm able to create that extended perception of me and who i am as a person and that is creating a much better impression of a person with disability in people's minds and i hope at least in some cases if not in many cases people have started to remind remember me as sai the book reader or sai the music lover rather than sai the person with disability or who needs help so do you also i mean is there any other ways in which you feel like technology excludes people with disabilities um say even in terms of like the internet in terms of like any kind of like cyber bullying or anything um just basically like are there other facets to this that you can think of absolutely i mean see one of the challenges is while technology does enable people and come out into the open if people hold the pre-existing stereotypes uh, about those people the visibility stands no chance whatsoever uh, for example let me take uh, the website uh, of a particular website which is a matrimony website and if it asks a person saying do you have a, a physical disability and if i were to answer yes to that question obviously i am excluded from the whole process because my name will or profile will not show up in the search uh, that is one form of exclusion because now nobody will even want to speak to me and if i am not spoken to at all then i am not in the process so what's the whole point of me being on the site at all so that is one one example where technology has made it a point uh, that exclusion is practiced and the already existing stereotypes are reinforced another scenario is uh, let us say there is a person on a social media out there and he or she is going ahead and uh, trying to connect with other people if there is a pre existing stereotype that this person is not worth the time to talk to or 
not worth the message or information pass around or not just worth the conversation uh, effectively you have gotten onto the platform now you see a different world uh, but again you are even more hurt because of it i think i mean i, I found it really shocking that uh, you know like people with physical or any kind of disability like they don't uh, come up on searches on like these matrimonial websites like so it's not even that the person sees your you know can find you see your profile and then kind of make that choice for uh, them <laughs> no it is not just about confining so for instance a fundamental question saying you know on a matrimonial site let's say someone asks you what's your height now what do i answer for that question i mean do i answer my height as per the height on my when i sit on my wheelchair or height when i stand because i can't stand so what is my height at the end of the day am i like 3 and a half feet because i'm sitting on wheelchair or am i 5 feet because i am standing up and you know i can use crutches to stand up and so what happens uh, what what is the purpose of that question there uh, and why do people hold that as an eligibility criteria and why is the technology facilitating that conversation see i can understand people holding that criteria i would not want to understand it but you know there are there is no ideal human being at the end of the day so i can you know i accept that people have certain expectations but technology facilitating the decision making instead of telling hey you know what we t- we won't gather the data and we won't present that information to you could probably put more people up there under the consideration list she don't even need to bring till disability just a question on height or just a question on weight okay so uh, i sit on my wheelchair all day i haven't walked for probably 5 years right now obviously i'll be putting on weight so if the question arises on weight uh, why is technology gathering that data and then presenting it as a decision making tool to another person and what ethics moral morality as well as the perception of inclusivity is that a uh, company driving uh, is a debate that we need to have uh, obviously the company will go ahead and tell that people want it we are delivering it and people will say the company is providing it so we are making the decision making it so nobody has any accountability to say in the process uh, that is why earlier in the conversation i referenced to the importance of accountability if i literally knew someone whom i can call up and say hey these features need to be removed and it is absolutely wrong that you are putting in these features and i need a decision to be made on these features by end of the week or by end of the month or by end of the year then we can make much much more relevant progress and rather than uh, you know use technology to create exclusion in a much bigger way point one another uh, scenario within this aspect is also uh, just just an example of let's say uber ola any company uh, if you don't if there is technology out there people can go ahead and book cabs and move on uh, but they don't tell me whether my wheelchair will fit into that cab or not if there was uh, you know i do not know the difference between a sedan car versus another car uh, so effectively i do not know even if i go ahead and book a car will my wheelchair fit into it so until the car comes i wouldn't be able to travel at all uh, therefore and then a cancellation fee is applied it's a matter of a small change where you know all cars that are accessible are listed on the app and i book accordingly uh, but that information is not provided so here is a technology that is benefiting the masses uh, but then i have to pay that extra 50 rupees or 100 rupees every time that i would have to travel not to mention there is inconvenience to my friends as to each time we would have to wait 30 minutes or 40 minutes 
uh and then realized that the cab would not work therefore i travel all over again and so on this is transport uh, the other industry that i spoke of was uh in lifestyle uh we can look at it from the educational tech industries i can go ahead and give you numerous examples like that where technology is allowing the masses to progress forward but it can also serve as uh, an exclusivity tool and that is why that conversation on accountability and having a chief inclusive officer like a cio not just a chief information officer for every company becomes absolutely vital because someone should lose their job if my life is not good because of exclusion i don't even want people to be empathetic i want people to be indifferent about it there needs to be no conversation uh, around on it people do it because it's the right thing to do uh, if there is a disability resource center uh, it should be as ambi- as universal as let us say a library at school school will not go out of the way and tell that we have this library exclusively for people who want to study that's not something a school advertises on uh, therefore uh, a disability resource center for a club for a club of let's say six schools or seven schools should become the norm and the reason i'm bringing this up is even as the support system and information goes up one of the annoying side effects is this development of the mentality saying that we are uh, kind good and nice people uh, for having provided the support system and uh, on the other side uh, people with disabilities telling that oh you are so empathetic uh, you are providing this facility to me i don't really see this to be essential to the whole conversation i think the attitude that must be set as hey uh, this is inaccessible and the right thing to do here is we build the access and you know we don't even need a thank you from you because we wronged uh, by building the wrong design and we are setting it right and that's the end of story there uh, but this whole conversations saying uh, the whole not for profit network are uh, going ahead and saying we are enabling you all Uh, you disabled us so to tell that you enabled us uh, is something where you are speaking from the point of view as if you have right over my life and that's something that's completely disturbing uh, so to say the conversation structure needs to be that there is wrong that has happened out here we will do the right thing and hopefully within so and so time because of so and so teams and because so and so is accountable we will set this right for you and please lead your own life and don't disturb us from there on right yeah yeah like there is this um, thing of like oh we are like so generous and like it's so nice to kind of do this especially for you mm-hmm. and it's like yeah everybody deserves to live in this world um, you know have the best life that they can have and everybody has a responsibility to you know do what's right not, for everyone yeah i mean see not everybody gets to live the best life but everybody deserves a life of privacy and everybody deserves a life that in which they can pursue their passion whether they succeed fail become the best worst that is irrelevant but if i want to go ahead and get educated at a college you should not put up three extra barriers so that i can pass point 1 and you should not even be reducing the pass percentage you should not be telling me that hey you know what i put in three floors what if you can get 50% that is okay Uh, because you are climbing three floors at the end of the day uh, eliminate the three floors in the first place and challenge me to score 75 80% and that would be the right way to think because very often in our country uh, we label role models as inspirations if they have overcome struggles but i think the time has come where we stop doing that 
we need to ask why the struggle is happening in the first place and find role models who can eliminate that struggle once and for all and then call those people as inspiration because that that will go ahead and solve problem at a large scale and even for unborn generations to come yeah so these are all of my questions anything that you want to add um, you know i'm sure like obviously people would find it very interesting to hear about like your antarctic experience if you want to talk about it the whole purpose of the trip was to show that if i as a person who cannot walk went all the way to that continent it was not because of good karma uh it was not because people the corporate supported me i didn't fundraise for that event uh, because i didn't want any corporate support it was not because uh there was you know an ecosystem that was encouraging me or inspiring me the simplest thing that happened that enabled me on that journey was that we created an accessible infrastructure whether it be the airline industry uh whether it be my teams that took care of the transport between two countries whether it be the ship where i was living for about 6 days or the movement from the ship onto the continent uh where we had to build ramps and uh, whether it be the environment within the continent where we had to play for contingencies and hope that any emergency weather changes uh, would not uh, affect my life in such a way that we would not be able to evacuate uh so that level of planning and that level of access that was built within a period of 6 months is what allowed me to become the first indian with a disability to go to that continent and if that could be built and if i could go all the way to the end of the world then it is it is a matter of time before people realize that hey the infrastructure needs to be built and the problem will sort out on its uh, rather than going ahead and saying you know what uh, the corporates will support the not for profit will support let us say uh, you should find your own inspiration you should take motivation from others imagine the access was not there the infrastructure access was not provided to me to travel to that continent then regardless of whether the corporate gave me 20 25 lakhs to travel to the continent whether the not for profits provided a support system to me a counseling to me saying that i should be mentally strong to travel to the continent whether i was educated uh, by at top schools to go ahead and say you know what the education is there so you should go ahead and have the awareness to travel or setting lower bars saying that you might not be able to travel to the continent but at least you can go ahead and travel to another city these kind of interventions mean nothing uh, without the actual access to travel to that continent without the actual access that was built dynamically by the team on the day of the trip and these are cost driven interventions these are time driven interventions and there was an accountability uh, that was put into the team so that i could reach out to the person and ensure that i was creating safe travels for everyone and including me so if you start with the access on infrastructure if you start with the technology and use it for the right reasons then everything else will start taking care of itself but if you build an ecosystem around it without solving the core problem then like i said uh, you are just going ahead and feeling good about yourself and i hope that you remember that the opposite of hate is also indifference and hope some indifference is built into the system and people start focusing on the right thing and start working towards what matters uh, rather than doing generous things and feeling good about themselves Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.